Hello and welcome to the Body Aware Living Podcast. I'm Margot Rose, author of Body Aware Grieving, a fitness trainer's guide to caring for your health during sad times. We're together with kind and wise people from around the world. We're looking for practical ways to get through difficult challenges and to celebrate our accomplishments. It's important to remember that none of the comments made by myself or guests is meant to replace any legal or health services. Best wishes to you. Here we go. Today's episode of Body Aware Living is called From Battlefield to Barn, Finding Healing Through Horses, Breathwork, and Community. We have an incredibly special guest Colonel Charlie Jenks, a 28-year military veteran and the founder of a nonprofit organization called Connecting Veterans with Horses. We're going to hear about his personal experiences with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and how he's currently helping more vets, their families, and others of us who've been through trauma find healing through time with horses and one another. Hope you enjoy this beautiful interview. Best wishes. Hello, everyone. I'm Charlie Jenks. I'm the founder of Connecting Veterans with Horses. It's the equine therapy nonprofit. And it started. It's a. Um, it started with veterans and their families in mind, and that has grown. I think we've talked about before beyond that, beyond just veterans, and we're looking to expand it be, uh, as well. Create a bigger nonprofit as well for all people who are looking to heal, and that's what's so cool. To be on here and talk a little bit about uh, uh, what we're doing. So thank you. And you're you're a veteran as well. You've had how many years were you serving the military, U.S. military? Yes, yeah, so I'm. I was in the army. I'm retired uh, uh, army. I was in 28 years, served all over the world, a couple of tours of combat. Yeah, and my my personal story is uh, my first combat tour was 2005 in Afghanistan. And I knew something was was off, you know, shortly thereafter. Uh, took about, uh, well, I started having these severe panic attacks in like 2007, uh, speaking in front of large audiences, just thinking maybe I was just nervous to, and we're not a great public speaker. And then it just kind of snowballed uh, until really about 2016, early 2016 is when I first started to realize that, oh, uh, something's up and maybe it might be related to PTSD. There's a lot of stigma as to people, oh, I don't have PTSD or I didn't do enough in combat to have PTSD, a lot of shame involved. And I was the same way. And uh, it was really a dot. I think we talked about it the first time, a medical doctor at my physical said, hey, buddy, you meet all these these checks and have you seen the psychologist across the street? And I was like, why? And he's like, come on. And and he was really down to earth and cool. And I was like, okay, I'll go see him. And that's really what started my path. So now here we're talking uh, seven years later uh, and some things started to work and the consistencies were horses and meditation and breath work. And so I started my nonprofit to include that, to share that with others, but in other traditional uh, equine therapy activities like riding, groundwork, and you know, just hanging out with horses too. So it's been it's been amazing. Yeah. We're going to talk about we're going to follow up with some really interesting questions about ourselves and about each other. And 
One question, and we're going to go into it a little more now than the previous interview was, um, how do we know we need help? And the other question that we're going to start looking at, which is way more fun, is how do we know what feeling good feels like? How do we know healing is happening? And, mm-hmm. and my favorite question, I've been asking myself this a lot this year, is what will it be like to be happier than I've ever been? And yeah. some of those questions and how do we get from point A to point B? And uh, so we're going to go into many of the healing modalities that you're already doing. But we, we talked a little bit about all these different symptoms for PTSD. And so I did a little bit of research because I wanted to figure out the question, how do we know we need help? And I was researching after we said, oh, there might be 12 symptoms that people in the mili- the, the, the professionals are looking at. And I found some websites had 12, some websites listed 17. Some websites were up to a hundred examples of people having a hard time functioning well and, you know, discovering that they might need to do something different. And should I take just a second and read those off that I, from my research? Oh, yes. All right. All right. So, you know, one was vivid flashbacks and nightmares. I'm like, okay. Uh, But then it gets into stuff that could be really hard to interpret in one's personal case. It was self-isolation, depression substance abuse, emotional avoidance, feeling on edge or hyper arousal, memory loss, trouble concentrating, insomnia, negative outlook on the present or the future, physical symptoms like panic attacks, which you've mentioned, uh, pain, sweating, nausea, feeling emotionally numb, struggling to regulate emotions, trouble maintaining personal or professional relationships, self-destructive behavior like drinking too much or driving too fast and being easily upset and angry. And, you know, that would just seem like a really long and potentially confusing list of things to try to figure out about oneself. Like, is it complicated to figure out, is that just who I am? Is that me trying to heal? Is that, is what I'm experiencing within the range of normal and and it seems even more complicated if somebody actually is a vet or has been through some other forms of trauma. Does that how does any of this land for you? Yeah, I say check, check, check. It's like you're listing them all off. But I, and that's what the doctor was kind of getting at to me. Too. We were having a long, detailed discussion. And he was like, you know, you meet all all of those. You're telling me about all of those, you know, but you're not telling me directly what's going on, you know. And uh that's that's the huge part and that's why i keep going back to the horse it was the horse that woke me up in part that hey i needed help it was it was it was me and if i wanted something to change i need to focus on me and i know a lot of times we think of of just folk looking thinking about us we were even talking about this off off right before it's in a way selfish but really it's what's needed it was like when i shifted to focus working on me then the relationships with others, and we were talking again about my my children, but just people in general changed. And it was like some, you know, I've had been talked to with many big high spiritual people, really spiritual people who said, you know, you open up your heart and things will happen. And, you know, they're right in a way, you know, so whether people are into that or not, it's like focus on you and, and what I and it's always the question is like, so what do I do? And it's, you know, like you're saying, there's many facets of healing, but the, the ones that consistently consistently come, you know, fruit for me is 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 
is the meditation, the breath work, the getting inside of me. And then somehow you're, you include these horses in, in, into that. And it's magical. It's so magical. Like there was a guy, a veteran that yesterday with us and he, you know, he's got his own story, his own, he's on his own healing journey. He's a fascinating, brilliant guy, but you know what he needed yesterday? A hug from the horse. That's what he needed. We went, we were going through breath work and all. I, I sent you, I just texted you the pictures too. That's all he needed was a hug. And he, and I, again, I always defer to them, the, the people, the participants, how they feel. Cause I always ask them, just know how you feel now at the beginning and how you feel at the end. Cause that's what I'm about. Like these things, these horses just being around them made me feel better. So I just kept marrying me you know, doing more of that, you know? And oh, by the way, it goes after your question. Like, what does it feel like to be happier? Well, I know there's a jump or a bump in my time with them. So how do I keep tasting that? That's That was one I, I always say, even with the meditation, once I started tasting that more, like what it is you're, I think you're talking about, that's when I got really excited about it. And I go, you know, there's to me in the beginning, it was, it was words. Do this meditation for five minutes or whatever try it. And it's like, yeah, how do I meditate when my mind is racing? But once I started tasting that just a little bit, I was like, tasting what? That happiness, that connection, you know, all that. And it's like, oh, and then after a bit, I started feeling better. I was like, I have to share, try to share this with others. And that's what, you know, that was the genesis of the, of our nonprofit, which is like five or six years ago now. It was like, I got to find a way through horses and through this breath work. And it just so happened that I could, you know, we're at this amazing center that gives me the freedom to do this. I mean, it was just me in a stall in the beginning. And then it, it expanded, which you've seen, you know, me in a round pen, which was a training pen for horses with one horse and the participants of the class. And even that, there's some risk in that, right? Because people aren't horse people. They're nervous. They're in all those, 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 uh, uh, symptoms what you just described so the horse is picking up on all that stuff right so there could potentially be some you know uh, danger there but it's just been so amazing because these horses are pros they're therapy horses they are on their, their second and third career they're in their late teens early 20s and they're just so patient with us and with all that you know it's just amazing i'll stop there sorry well, you know, you said, oh, I was feeling better. And that is exactly part of the question. Like one thing you mentioned when we were off camera is like, I woke up feeling more optimistic. Like, like, how do we know what feeling better feels like? What else could we add to that list of things when you and things you've seen your other vets experience? How do you know your vets and the other participants, the families of the vets and the other people who are joining your program? Like, what do you see in their behavior, in their outlook, in their posture? How can you tell when they're having benefit and healing happen? Well, they, they keep coming back. That's the okay. one. Thing. It is <laughs> once like me that were skeptical in the beginning, like, especially of all this woo, you know, people say woo, whatever meditation, like it, it, they're like, I don't know anything about that. I'm from the East coast. I've never heard, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's just think of this as exercise. Then we're just, the, we're doing a breath exercise with a horse and we're going to move around a little bit, you know, and they keep coming back. But I, the one thing I always uh, hear from them is the community. So it's like, they belong somewhere. So it's that isolation part, right? Cause you become one of those symptoms is you're detached from people. 
So this is a place you can come that not only the people are accepting of you because we're all in a similar situation, but the horses, horses live in the present and they're accepting of everyone. It's just like they're open. They're not going to push you off. If you're, you know, again, if someone's up and they're really in a flight situation, I'm talking about a human, the horse is going to feel that. So they're going to respond to that a little bit. But really, I what I see is the horse goes, all right, come here. I want to talk to you. And then the horse, which I think you saw the other day, just locks on somebody. I didn't tell you there's a follow up to the story from Friday when you were even there. One of the veterans that I, I took the photos of were it's locked on this gentleman. What he told me was Saturday, he came, he came back again Saturday class and was saying he was having this hard time with his throat locking up, like clamping up, which is a symptom I had too. Like you lose your voice. You hear that, right? You don't have the confidence to whatever that is. I was the same way. And that was part of my you know, panic attacks and so forth. But this work clears that, you know, uh, I won't get too far into it. But what he was telling me was he felt that not only our practice was helping him, the horse helped him. And then his face, even yesterday, was he, he, it was brighter. You know, he had he, the other veterans were commenting, you know, you look clearer today. And I go, he was I didn't know that happened to him. I just knew that he that he needed something, you know, in a sense. But the horse saw it first, because if you remember, the horse was uh, was trying to leave with you right before that and then turned as we're doing that meditation for five minutes or so and locks in on this gentleman and i i had to stop and i, I do it all the time I'm like i'm sorry i have to take a video or a picture because no one's in the beginning i say no one's going to believe me but it happens just about every time but then the follow-up like a, then he came back, the guy came back the next day, which is not, and he lives like 30, 40 minutes away. It's not like he lives around the corner too. So there's something there that, you know, whether it's community, whether it's feeling accepted, whether we're all in the same, you know, same have some sort of same story. Like this gentleman is a combat veteran who was injured in combat too, his lower leg and so forth. And, um, but then it has, the, you know, the, the, the PTSD. Part two. I, I, you know, so we have a lot of material to be sharing. In addition to this podcast, the actual portion that we have, I've now been to your meditation with horses class twice, and I was taking some video and some photos. And I've also, we have a lot of material to start pulling together and sharing with people because I also started doing videos with some of the vets and other participants with their permission. And are we talking about Gonzalo? Is, is the example you're giving with Gonzalo? Yes. Okay, so I have an amazing video. I didn't get to send it to you yet. Gonzalo, last time I was there, did an amazing video with me. It was so honest and sweet. It was before we went out with the horses and uh, it's about nine minutes long. I'd like to share it with you. I'd like to share it with your community because I was asking here, here's like an injured vet, real McCoy, you know, and I was like finding out how his program had affected you. And he goes, I'm just looking for joy. He's like, I'm dealing with, he was so honest and I'm willing to say this because he said he gave permission that I was okay to share with this, but he was like, I was depressed. I was, you know, it's confusing to come back. And after being in a military world, it's really confusing. It's easy to isolate when you feel confused like that. And I'm just looking for joy. And I thought that was the simplest request of what people are going through. And 
I just want to, since we're already here, I just want to talk briefly about this idea. One of the symptoms of uh, worrisome symptoms of potential low function is listed as isolation. It's listed right near the beginning. But I also wanted to touch briefly on the idea that some people might just also want a little bit more time to themselves, especially if they're confused about how to interact socially. They might want to not make mistakes by keeping to themselves a little bit more. And there's also people who are more extroverted. And so, you know, good signs of more health for them, if they're extroverted, they want to go out in a crowd and they want to be somewhere loud and they want to connect with a lot of people. But there's there's other people, and I'll include myself in this category, especially increasingly, where we're kind of introverted. Like for us, what might feel good, you know, it may, the, the amount of alone, alone time or isolation we might actually get benefit from is, is also very much based on our personality. Does that make sense that there's a continuum? I don't think isolation is automatically a risk factor. Right. I know I, I am not a mental health professional. I am not trying to replace the mental health or uh, professional services anybody needs. This is just me just trying to learn and, and add vocabulary to that. But um, would, would you agree that some people just... I think it depends on their, yeah, and their personality. I, I do know from talking to them, and again, I'm not a professional either, and I generally don't talk to even the veterans about their specific situation unless they want to share something with me. And generally, then I just listen to them. And um, because I really think the horse is the healer, you know, like this is the professional, professional, you know, uh, but I just help try to create the the environment. Um, but a lot of I do hear a lot of the veterans talk about their isolation and just the fact that they don't like leave their home ever. Though We're talking not even like, hey, I need a weekend to kind of decompress because I'm because I'm that way, too. If I'm a, if I'm busy during the week, I need a day to kind of recover. I've always been that way. And, you know, in relationships and stuff, I've been with extroverts where they just want to be out. And I'm like, I just need one day or after a work week, you know, I just need Friday night and then I'll be good on Saturday. You know, I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it's different people. There's a great uh, book out, uh, you might Quiet, I believe is the name of it. And it goes into that exactly. It's saying you're not, I think it goes into like Harvard Business School. People are all, they look for extroverts for the MBA program, right? That's what they're looking for. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to be that way, you know, yeah. to thrive. And then she goes into like studies of like, you know, most of the world leaders and business leaders are introverts because they think, you know, and you have those people out there to do that work, you know, the extrovert work, but there, you need a balance of it. And that's why I think it's like anything. I think it's individual and you need a balance. And that's why I'll keep going back to it. And I know this may not sound Right. It may sound off because I always talk about like meditation and stuff like because in the beginning it sounded off to me. I was like, what are you talking about? Like Qigong meditation, you know, and it was like, but I truly believe like you need to get inside yourself to get those answers to like answer to be like, hey, I need a break. Hey, I need to do back off. Hey, I need to engage. Hey, there, that's the part I go like, you know, I always tell people like I'm on a path. I don't know where it's going, but it just feels good to be on that path. And that's and my path is totally inconsistent with because most people like in my situation retired, they got some sort of contract contracting job with the government, you know, supporting the government, whatever, you know, because I were ex-military. And I was like, you know, I I can't, I yeah, I it sounds enticing. I'd make more money and all stuff. I was like, I really have to work on me. Otherwise, it's just gonna keep snowballing, you know. And 
And I think finding the answers come from within. That's my opinion. Again, I'm no expert on, uh, you know, I'm just talking about myself at this point. But that's what I'm finding. And I'm seeing it with others, too. That's what's that's what's cool about being in this community now. Well, I mean, every time we talk, there's a million more things to talk about. It's always fascinating. And there's always more to go into. And there's there's something you talked about. I I want to go back to it because it was really super important. And it, it's how do we know improvement is happening? And you mentioned that after your time with horses and learning to regulate your own kind of emotions and connect and that a wider range of emotions was okay to experience and you found some safe people and places to be around. So, you know, isolated or with who, like, how do you, how does each person know when they feel safe? How do they know if a, if an environment is safe, fun, beneficial, and that's what you've helped create with people. They, they, it's, they can, even if they tend to like a lot of isolation, they'll come around you and the horses and they'll be like, okay, this is the kind of connection that, that actually enhances my feelings. And you yeah. were talking about a part of your own journey with that, where you, you described it as becoming a better father. You had this breakthrough that you're willing to be more honest with your kids, people wishing they could be closer to their fathers or fathers wishing they could be closer is so important. And could you tell us more if it's not too personal? What was that experience of getting closer to your kids like? Oh, yeah, I think it, I don't know that it, I would say it's even being a better father. I think it's just being a better human in that I, my my one teacher is, it's a master's, his name is Sam Tam. He's up in Vancouver, but he always talks about becoming whole. Our work is to become whole. And then when we become whole, then we can be connected to the greater, to to people and all this stuff. And I feel like through the work, like through the work of me internally in many cases, right? And how people get after that, whether it's, you know, prayer and all that stuff, meditation, you know, there's many ways to get, in my opinion, to get after it. But it it caused me to be more open and to be more vulnerable. And that's when my kids... Like, you know, you're the, you're their dad. They're always trying to put you up on the pedestal. They want you to be something greater, right? Oh, my dad did this. My dad did that. But when they see that your dad's just human, that was the part that it was like, because there's still like that friction too, you know, when there is that pedestal, you're like you're separated in a sense. But when they realized that I was struggling, I think it was really when it's changed. So I don't pretend to be like a perfect dad or anything, but we our relationship, I feel, and you'd have to ask them too on their side, but we can talk now. There's no like barrier to talking. There's not, they, they should not, I, I, and again, I, I defer to them. There shouldn't be like, hey, I missed, this is what happened. And they're afraid to tell me. Like, no, just tell me. And we've already had that, you know, school and all this stuff. So it's like, that's when, like through the work of my, on myself, caused me to be more vulnerable, to be more open. And that's when I think our connection became greater. And I, I think now we're we're great friends in a sense, even though I obviously I'm their dad. And, I, and in some cases I have to have that more than my role. But I, I think we're more friends in a sense. You know, we're just more open and we try to support one another. That's what I feel. And it was through, again, I go back, it was really through the horses. It was through another gentleman, Monty Roberts, who has a veteran program, who sat down with my three kids and me in like a, and he is like a PhD and uh, he's on a couple of them, I think, in the mental health world too. 
and he talked to us about it and he was just like what, so what's going on you know it was just very basic stuff but that was the first time we really like addressed like you know neck grievances but what's going on and and then from there it just got further it's, it's just grown i feel some mentorship some wisdom some willing to be more open some you know I just all of this sounds like what more people wish they could do with their families or perhaps families of choice, you know, just finding mentors. If you if your own family isn't a place where you can find the healing, then finding healing with what you're talking about, mentors, people who are older, people who are learned, people you can trust, people who want to look out for you. I think we can create those relationships, um, you know, who has wisdom we want and need and who's willing to look out for us. And Part of just one thing I'm still so curious about. You were mentioning that at some point in this willingness to be more vulnerable, that you had an experience you hadn't had in a long time that involved crying. Like at some point, you you know, crying is a healing tool. It's a tool to cleanse the cleanse the spirit, release some emotions. And would you be willing to share what crying felt like after you hadn't done it in a long time? Oh yeah, it it was because you know you're. And kind of like this, I was kind of like this, knock this battery off my shoulder or people like me don't cry or whatever. So I didn't really cry like my whole life. I mean, I probably could count it on one hand, like how many times I've cried maybe uh, before like six, seven years ago. But I think it was more of letting go. Uh, and it, it helped that a friend of mine was crying right before me, who I thought, again, wouldn't cry you know in a, in a group we're in a group setting and we we're giving some feedback on what we just experienced with a horse again and he opened up and i was like whoa that totally because i was next then to speak and i was just like oh my gosh that just totally blew me because i would have given like some straight face answer yeah it was nice or whatever and then he starts crying and it, it just like it probably allowed me to cry i don't know but ever since then i was like yeah i mean it's okay but i still think it's like uh it's letting go i mean it's like we're holding all this stuff it can't be good i mean that's why we do this meditation the breath work and qigong it's about letting go and connecting you know and that's what i feel it's like just breathe my teacher i, I think i mentioned this the other day but it's like do you breathe out of every cell of your body? It's like, no, I don't. I breathe out of this tube. You know, it's like respiratory system. It's like, yeah, but yeah. When you breathe that way, you're still like contracting every part of your body. It's like, why? It's a waste of time. You know, it's like, especially if you're not, if you're not lifting something or something, you know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Just let go. And it's so easy. I always say this stuff is so sound. So, so just let go. You've heard that your whole life, right? Just let it go. But then to do it, is another thing, you know, it's a another, new thing. Another level of it. it's well, like, I mean, what, what would you say having experienced this emotional release, this physical release, this refreshing sort of cleansing sounding moment, like, what would you say to people who think, you know, oh, is it masculine to cry? Like, or they've been trained. It's not masculine. To, you know, what is the message from Charlie Jenks to the world on this topic of masculinity and crying? say ego gets in the way right so you have to let go of that ego it's like i've heard so many times over and i think i mentioned this but it's like i didn't even think i had ptsd because we're not supposed to have it a first in the beginning right and i was an officer too i was a leader you're not you're not supposed to, and and then there was the whole like guilt of like well was i really in that 
like combat like these other warriors, you know? No. So it's like that shame thing, you know? So it's just like all this stuff is like, or, you know, you name this, the high, the, the Marines don't have PTSD. It's like, what? You know, you're, you're killing me. Like leaders are saying this, you know, or what do you pick the four? I'm not trying to pick on the Marines, but the uh, it's like, we do, we're not perfect. And, and you can show your vulnerability. And it's just like, that's the part. Again, I keep going back. It was the horse. The horse told me because the horse lives in the present. And it told me, hey, buddy, you're jacked up. It's not me. It's you. And I'm like, because mm-hmm. they're just responding to you. And it's like, and if something's not quite right, yeah, they could be a wild horse or whatever. But if they're relatively trained and they're kind of and they start jumping around, you go like, you know, it's like, don't lunge at them or anything. It just kind of moves slow. You know, it's like, yeah, it's so crazy but that that was the part where like you know just said you know it's okay you know one of my uh, mentors speaking of a mentor he's a he's a a therapist that works with veterans and and you know trained therapist and he's just like you know most of you guys just need a hug most of you big Mm. macho guys just need a hug and i go you're probably right you know it's like yeah we don't we never got that i mean we're not we're too tough to, to get that you know what i mean he's like that's what i find this guy and he hugs everybody you know that's his deal he's like he just hugs people and some people don't want, I didn't want to be hugged in the beginning, you know, because I was like that PTSD, like, get away from me, buddy. I don't want anyone near me. But he was right at the end of the day. Like I said about the veteran yesterday, he just wanted to hug a horse. And this is a macho guy, you know, like uh, high, you know, attack helicopter pilot guy. You know, you're like, it's pretty cool to see. Well, there's there's a million different ways you're helping other people and you've 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 channeled what you've been learning into all these beautiful this beautiful new program connecting, you know, connecting veterans with horses now expanding that to try to reach out to more people. And before we run out of time, I just want to, you know, thank you for everything. Thank you for all the different kinds of service you've already performed and the current way that you're you're wanting to grow this program. And how can we help what you're doing? be more successful? What are some of the things we can contribute and and provide so that this vision grows the way you hope to? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'd like, A, just get the word out that like we we're just talking about, it. like you're not you're not the only one that's going, not that, not that it's not important or downplaying it, but there's a lot of us are going through the same thing. So get the word out that there are people who are trying to work on this collectively together. And it's all different. Yeah, people could share this on social media. Yeah. Everything, everything you've said. We've got all this material and all this content we're coming up with. So one way people can help help you and help what you're doing next is to share some of these clips and these videos on social media. Um, yeah. You were also mentioning about uh, people who have land, people who have horses, people who might want to have some sort of small version or a pilot program across the United States or maybe the world that there's other facilities that have horses that might want to invite yeah. some portion of what you're doing to be on their land and with their horses. Is that a possibility? Because that is where the name, part of what the name came from, Connecting Veterans Horse. It was really just me being like a, a going out to each spoke of where, where they provided services that are somewhat similar to ours, you know? And so, yes, uh, we're looking to grow. I'm looking to grow within my organization, but I know that there's a lot of great, it's maybe it's just identifying, hey, we're doing something similar. Because I keep finding like-minded people that that are doing. They call it something and they're more technical and they're certified and all this stuff. 
I go, yeah, we're kind of doing the same thing. But yeah, you are a medical doctor. I'm not, you know, but it's like, it's pretty cool. So A, that, and and then funding too, like we are looking for, for donations as well, uh, because I really, my goal is to turn these programs over to veterans, like let them grow them to run these again around the world, around the country at least, but it may be around the world too. Like, we can establish a program that has the, you know, has the juice to to pay people to do it, you know, and and give them and then grow them to teach others. You know, that's that's really my goal. And and, uh, and I don't foresee me like doing this, you know, on the grassroots level for a long time, but I want to be part of it and run the help run this this organization, you know, after I turn it over to, to people that we've kind of helped. Maybe get back on their feet, but maybe just need a little bump and, you know, to get there or so and a little help uh, to get there. So that's kind of where I'm looking for. So, yeah, so, this is the word. If if the people are generous enough to donate some, then you can go to my web page, connectingveteranswithhorses.com. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Say that again more slowly. Your web page. Veteranswithhorses.com. Okay. Or it's on Instagram. You can get there too. It has my webpage there, but on Instagram, it's connecting veterans with horses as well. We post all of our weekly, we post our videos and photos from our sessions. We try to really trying to make the horses. Now there's nine horses, the celebrities too, because they really are. So, I mean, that's going to be another project. I'm trying to get someone to, to run, to show you these amazing healers. And they all have had their, different paths of lives to their competitors and stuff you know dressage and all this stuff and you really can see like these are some amazing horses but they're healers that's the cool thing they're they're locked in once we start class it's and you've seen it but it's so cool to see how i just kind of let them take over really is what i feel i still facilitate but and that's what happened again yesterday yeah. So if if people want this type of healing, if people want this type of message, if people want uh, more of Charlie Jenks and more people to feel and behave like with all this, you know, who do we become when we become happier than we've been like? And how do we how do we start using those new happier selves out in the world? It's just such a fun question. I so you know, so media support, uh, cooperation with other organizations that have uh, similar similar goals that they can we can collaborate. We don't all have to run our organization separately. You have the donation button on your website, and we can include a link to that. And um, you know, I'm interested. We have almost enough material for me to do a full length documentary about your program already. And if people want to learn about that or support about that, they can also go to my website, which is because I'm doing this full time too. Like I just, I want to be supportive of this. I'm willing to use my time, my energy, my wisdom, my curiosity to, to put a highlight on, on all the different healing modalities, especially those with horses. So if, if you want to help support any of that, you could go to bodyawareliving.com. And bodyawareliving.com already has uh, a way to stay connected by email. So I can let you know as let you know what Charlie's up to, let you know what my other guests are up to as they develop. I'll keep you posted if you want to uh, stay connected by email. And I think I'm going to put a contribute button on my website too, because I want to 
I want to do this full time. And if, if people wanted to donate, I'll put it on my website. I mean, contribute, contribute. I'm not a nonprofit organ. I'm a not profitable yet organization, <laughs> meaning it's just me <laughs> trying to right now doing all this stuff. is just really a, an extremely expensive hobby because I pay people to help me with all the tech stuff. It's hard. So um, I'm going to put a contribute section on Body Aware Living website as well. I'll have to figure out how to do that. But I will donate back to Charlie's organization a portion of any contributions I get to start making these documentaries about his program. And I start documenting other programs like this that are um, looking for ways to, you know, practical ways to care for our health during the best and worst of times. So uh, all that's coming up. We're going to have a lot of those links in the show notes. Charlie, thank you so much time for your time, for everything you're doing. Yay, hooray, more Charlies. We need more Charlie Jenks out there. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been nice, uh, nice connecting with you. Thank you for coming. You And for everyone else, yes, you've put so much effort into this. We're so grateful. And hopefully that people will see that and grow your side because we won't be able to, you know, if people are into this, which I keep finding, like I said, like-minded people, into even the horses and meditation and stuff like that, that you're, you'll be the source to, to show us that. So that's what's cool. So thank you for what you're doing too. Thank you. I'll put a hundred percent of my time in if I can afford to do so. This is really yeah. a big passion. There's so thank you. So, I'm sorry. Say the last thing I didn't. I was just gonna say, it's it's noted the, the, the time that you have to put into it, just in the little time I've met you, how much effort you put in already. It's, it's appreciated. <laughs> thank you so much, Charlie. We will be in touch. Thank mm-hmm. you.